from the nation's leading supply chain university program, we welcome you to the Penn State Supply Chain Podcast, brought to you by the Center for Supply Chain Research. Here are your hosts, Steve Tracy and Irv Grossman. Let me go ahead and start by uh, welcoming everyone to uh, the Center for Supply Chain Research podcast. We're joined today by two of my colleagues, Dr. Robert Novak um, and Tracy Shannon. Bob is the uh, Associate Professor of Supply Chain Management uh, here at Penn State University at the Smeal College of Business. And he's also uh, has been for a long time the CSCR Director of Student Outreach and Research here. Um, Dr. Novak has worked in operations and planning for the Yellow Freight Company in Kansas. Um, and he also worked for the Drackett Company in Cincinnati, Ohio. He's the co-author of several textbooks, uh, one on transportation and one on creating logistics value. Um, and he's published numerous articles in the Journal of Business Logistics and the Transportation Journal, among many others. Uh, Dr. Novak is a member of ASTNL, CLM, and uh, WERC. So please join me in welcoming Bob. And uh, let me give a quick introduction to my colleague, Tracy Shannon. So she is the uh, assistant director here for the Center of Supply Chain Research, does all of our uh, operations management, helps lead the team in things like our talent management, which is what we're going to talk about today, um, and all of our uh, networking and key events, uh, and does a lot of work with our students, particularly our high school students here in research. So um, Bob and Tracy, thanks for joining us today. Um, Bob, could you... Um, give Tracy and I and the audience a quick overview of your career and some of your experiences that you think are sort of shaped the way that you are today as a professor? Well, thanks, Steve. Um, so, you know, I joined the faculty <clears throat> 1986 and, um, you know, really didn't know what to expect coming out of industry. Um, you know, got thrown into the classroom a lot. And back then, you know, we, we, we taught a lot, even though we we're trying to get tenure. So we, we didn't have sabbaticals <clears throat> or things like that. And I found that I really liked uh, being in front of the students. I liked being in the classroom. Um, and it really, you know, really excited me to be around all those young folks who are so intelligent, uh, willing to learn. And, you know, once I got tenure, um, you know, I guess I decided at that point that, you know, two, two different paths I could go. One would be to continue to do research, which would take up a significant amount of my time. And I, I do enjoy doing that or focus all of my efforts on, on the undergraduate students. And I, I chose the latter simply because, like I said, I just so much enjoyed being around it. Plus, I think, you know, having come from industry, uh, like the two of you, um, I just realized that I, maybe I have some wisdom I could share with them about careers uh, and things like that. And that's pretty much how it all started. And that's where I am today. Um, still doing a lot of teaching, but <clears throat> doing a lot of <clears throat> career counseling and sometimes personal counseling and, and, and the like, but uh, keeps me young because uh, I'm only 39. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, <laughs> I look a little bit older, but life's been a little bit tough. So that's kind of my career. <clears throat> so, Bob, we're going to go back and forth here. Uh Tracy, you want to um, tee up one of the questions for Dr. Novak, today's discussion about talent development, talent management? Having a presence on campus is key. What are your recommendations for companies looking to brand on campus? Well, I think what's important, and I know it's a little bit difficult sometimes, but the companies really do need to be here uh, in person when, when possible. Uh, if not, <clears throat> then maybe on a Zoom, but they really need to get in front of our student organizations, 
um, you know, run case competitions and the like. You know, some of the companies have a little bit more difficult time than others. I mean, big name companies, um, you know, don't have a problem with brand, but some of the newer companies who are coming in, you know, might want to take that extra effort um, to spend time with our students in, in any way that they can. As both of you know, that our students, especially our best students, have a lot of options uh, when it comes to internships, co-ops, and full-time. And they're more likely to choose those companies that they're familiar with, um, that they know people at. Um, and also, if you know, if they've hired Penn Staters uh, in, in the past, whether it's, again, internships, co-ops, or full-time. So I definitely think some level of, of presence um, in front of the students is critical. Besides attending career fairs, how do companies start to establish a presence and recruiting relationship with SMU? Well, you know, they can contact either of you, um, Tracy or Steve, obviously. Um, they can contact me. Um, I won't be here that much longer, so they have to hurry up if they want to be able to do that. But it's usually, you know, contacting one of us um, uh, or typically, you know, our department, uh, things like that to just say, hey, I'm interested. And somebody will usually find somebody who can help them out to do that. Now, Bob, you mentioned that, you know, companies sort of fall into this, you know, they've been around a long time. They've got a known brand, uh, perhaps a lot of alumni uh, are there. And then we've got these newer companies uh, or ones that maybe recruit a little less frequently. What what can a company do, whether they're a known brand and an existing entity that have been around a while, or they're a new company or a new organization trying to recruit here? What can they do to stand out in this very competitive recruiter pool? Well, I think for full-time, um, and, and again, this goes back to the internships, co-ops, and, and both of you know this as well, that probably the most, the best uh, advertising a company can get is when students come back from a really good internship or really good co-op position, because they will tell all of their friends on that as well. And that's why it's critical if a company comes here for the first time and they want to do an internship or co-op, that they reach out to us, uh, you know, for maybe some suggestions as to what, what some of the leading companies do, uh, whether it be from responsibilities to pay to relocation expenses um, and things like that. And as both of you know, too, is that a good internship many times turns into a full-time offer. Um, and that's what the students are really looking for coming back after their junior year internship is, is to have that full-time offer. So I, I, again, offering a great experience uh, first time out, I think is critical. Yeah. Hopefully companies are well aware um, that um, with Tracy and other team members helping yourself, you know, we've created these kind of best practice playbooks for co-ops and internships that they can access on the website. So hopefully they take advantage of that kind of stuff too, particularly if they're new to starting up a co-op or internship. What are the best ways for organizations to connect and communicate with students? Well, I, I, you know, again, you know, having, having a dedicated person uh, within the organization, um, you know, many times is very, very important. You know, I can think of some companies when they come in, uh, to speak in my classes, give their uh, emails to the students and encourage them to contact them if they just need any, just want to chat or you need career advice or things. And these are, you know, usually pretty high up individuals. And I think that personal connection um, is, is extremely important to continue that. It's a, it's a full-time job um, for these companies, as you both know, uh, for recruiting, um, because right now our major is, is, is pretty popular. It's pretty hot in industry right now. And again, our best students are getting multiple offers. And I think that personal connection that they get 
um, I, I think is important. The other thing that uh, it gets frustrating for our students, and, and, and this is something, again, you know, is an internal process, is what I call the wait. Um, you know, they get the interview and then, um, or, or even the offer, and then they don't hear from the companies for, you know, maybe a week, two weeks, three weeks. And, you know, they come to me and say, what should I do? Um, and so I think, you know, timely feedback, uh, timely responses from the company, because again, uh, the students get very anxious, especially if it's uh, an offer from a company that they really want to work for. And so I think, you know, speeding up sometimes the processes internally um, uh, really, really, really helps. So that's kind of a good segue into like, what should companies do or recruiters do to actually interact with the students? Is there any one best way or is it a myriad of different ways that they should be connecting with the students? And is there a cadence to that that you think is a best practice? I think there's multiple ways, Steve. Um, I, you know, again, coming into classes, um, you know, doing Zooms, um, having that personal connection, uh, you know, providing, you know, really good internships and co-ops, uh, speedy responses on offers and for interviews. And, you know, some companies, um, you know, have multiple people that our students can reach out to, you know, within within what I call the operations organization and not necessarily HR um, that they can just chat with. And so I think it's a multiple prong approach. And I think both of you know that the, there's companies that have been very, very successful at recruiting our students do that. Um, and they've been doing it for quite a long time. Um, and, you know, for a new company, sometimes that's a little bit difficult to start up with all of those different different efforts because it's their first time here. They don't have any track record. They can't go back to their companies and saying, look, we, you know, we already have five graduates here. So it's a little bit tough. Um, and so for a new company, I would suggest getting into the classroom, um, presenting to our undergraduate supply chain student organization or to our supply chain uh, honor society um, and, and things like that. If they're close, when there's not a lot of people close to state college, um, you know, hosting a tour, uh, if there's a facility around is always great. The students come back, you know, um, you know, with a lot to say about the company and, and the interaction. So I said, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, and I would always recommend start out small and, and perfect what you're trying to do one step at a time with this. And over time, then you can have a multiple prong approach. If you're a student and you're in the marketplace, whether it's for a co-op, an internship, or full-time employment, what are the things that are driving your decision-making? Like, what are you looking for in a potential employer? Um, and how does an employer emphasize those important characteristics to a student? So I, I always emphasize to the students, uh, whether internship, co-op, but especially full-time, that it's really the people. Um, you know, you, you need to go to a company where, where the culture um, you know, fits with, with what your principles are and things like that, uh, especially for full-time. I mean, a lot of companies dangle, you know, big salaries uh, and the students go there and then come back and say, it, it's just not a good place to work. Um, and so I think, you know, it's a people, and that's why I stress that people connection with the companies, with the students, so they get to know the individuals, they get to identify with them to say, yeah, this is someone I want to work with um, type of thing. And so I think that's, you know, one thing. The other thing is, I think, from an internship co-op or full-time, the students want to be challenged. 
Um, and, and especially, you know, for internships and co-ops, especially the co-op after sophomore year, this is the first time these students have like ever really worked, um, you know, as a professional. Best companies provide mentors, you know, individuals within the company who will, you know, watch with them, who will guide them, who will answer their questions, um, that will support them um, and the like. And so I think, again, it all comes down to the people, it all comes down to the culture of the organization. When it comes to uh, recruiting students and the criteria, what kind of important um, aspects of the internships, co-ops and intern and full-time positions are, are students truly interested in? They're really looking in, like I said, to be challenged. One thing, the, the worst thing a company can do is, especially internships and co-ops, is to bring a student in have them sit at a desk with relatively nothing to do. No one to reach out to, no one to say, hey, I need some work. Um, again, that's the worst thing to do. For full-time, what I find, and it's maybe 50-50, um, rotation programs, leadership development programs. Um, when I said 50-50, half of our students look for that um, type of thing. And the other half, um, you know, it's not that important to them. Uh, but again, I still go back to this is that it's still the number one criteria, again, that I tell them is, is the people um, because they're the ones they have to work with every day. The money will come uh, eventually. And when uh, a young person gets out there in, the, in these roles, um, what do you think they should expect? Um, uh, what's, a, what's a reasonable expectation, whether it's co-op internship or full-time employment? And what's maybe an unrealistic expectation that you hear students come back and maybe they were thinking they were going to get something and they didn't get it. And you might say to them, say, well, that's maybe a bridge too far for, for kind of what you might be looking for. Well, I think, I think sometimes with, with internships and co-ops, the, the, the companies give the students projects, um, you know, with the deliverable at the end. Um, and that's all well and good as long as the project <clears throat> actually keeps them busy for the entire duration of the internship or co-op. On some of the co-ops, the students have both the project and day-to-day -day activities. And so, again, I think that's what they're kind of expecting is to keep busy. Um, maybe maybe one of the things that, that they think they should be doing but they're not is that, again, realizing that these companies aren't going to give students responsibilities over critical aspects. You know, for example, going into procurement, um, they're not going to be buying direct materials. They're going to be buying indirect materials. So they think that they can't mess up pretty much. Um, so sometimes, you know, they're buying cardboard, they're buying travel services and things, and they get a little bit disappointed. But again, you know, you're not going to be buying cocoa beans for Hershey. Um, that's too critical to the um, to the product for that. So I think sometimes that, you know, again, and this is up to the company right away to set expectations with them so that, you know, they know what to expect going in and why. In regards to full-time, can you share some insights on uh, a lot of companies inquire or ask about uh, rotational programs? Can you give your thoughts on companies having those versus not having them? Well, I think a lot of companies do both. Um, they have rotational programs, but then you can be what I call a, a direct hire, uh, you know, in, into these programs. And I think, you know, with the companies and there's two different ways to do this. And, and typically the average length is three years. Um, cause I think after that, <clears throat> um, 
it, it just gets it just gets too kind of you're you're treading water. You're in limbo. Okay, still I'm in rotation program after three years. Some companies then at the end of the rotation will let the students have input as to where they might want to start um, for, with their actual full time jobs. Other companies say, no, this is where we need you. And so I'm not, you know, both approaches are fine because it depends on what the company's needs are. Um, I do think, though, in general, the students like to at least have input as to where they're going to go into full time and or maybe even where they start in their rotation. Are there pros and cons to rotational programs that you see that may or maybe best practices or or pitfalls that an organization would want to avoid? in terms of the way they set up their rotational programs? Well, again, you know, with rotational programs, you know, I, the best ones give the students like three totally different perspectives. You know, you don't want one being the demand planning, one being supply planning, um, because they're both planning. Um, the best ones, you know, will give you, you know, a customer facing uh, type of position. One will might put you in procurement. Uh, I would say that the best ones also uh, will put you in, if they're a manufacturing company, put you in a manufacturing facility, or if you're a retailer, put you in a distribution center, uh, because that's where the heart of the operations are. There are a few, not many, that have an international aspect. They will give you an international assignment. And again, I think the students like that diversity. It really gives them a better perspective on on the company. And so I think the pitfall would be, you know, making the, the rotations, how many ever there are, you know, too close to one another, too similar. Because um, I think the students, again, you know, get bored. Their expectation is to see something different every time. And what about even ch- changing locations for those different experiences? Yeah, I, yeah, I, exactly. I mean, you know, you might, you know, a lot of uh, uh, consumer packaged goods companies have people down in Bentonville, right, for, for Walmart, or they have them in Minneapolis for Target. Um, you know, again, manufacturers have factories all over the country. Um, and so, you know, location, relocation, um, I think, again, students are young. They like to travel. They like to see different parts of the country and the world. And so I think that's a very attractive uh, aspect of a rotation program. And I know you, um, because you've been here a while, even though you're only 39, um, you have a lot of relationships with alumni, people that have gone through our programs. Matter of fact, I think you've told me that uh, now you're starting to see some people that are related to people that you had as former students that ended up becoming uh, senior business leaders in the supply chain discipline. Um, For the people that you keep in touch with out in the... um, industry and government, you know, what are the kind of things that they come back to you and say uh, about the discipline today, uh, particularly as it relates to recruiting and hiring? So I think, you know, and I've always said this too. um, And yeah, I I actually am now teaching children of former students. And when it comes to teaching grandchildren of former students, then I'm done. Um, (laughs) But, you know, first of all, yeah, I always say Penn Staters beget Penn Staters. Um, you know, you get a Penn State alum, a logistics alum or supply chain alum in a senior position. They want to come back because they, they know what their experience was while they were here. Um, and they want to hire those students as well. I think one of the big things in our I think our program does a pretty good job of this is that they like to have the students to have a uh, an analytical background. 
um, you know, data analytics type of thing, the ability to take big databases and using Tableau or Power BI or whatever it is and be able to answer some very difficult questions for them because, you know, with technology, data, of course, has exploded. Um, and and it's, it's really tough sometimes to, to dig through all of that and find the answers. But I think, you know, again, our program, the way it is, uh, we teach our students what I call the technical aspects of supply chain, procurement, manufacturing, uh, warehousing, transportation. Um, and that's what these businesses thrive around. So we're not really teaching them a lot of theory. We're teaching them what they need to know to be successful in business. And again, we haven't changed that um, concept since I joined the faculty. And I think that's what makes our program so strong. And our students see end to end from procure to deliver. Uh, and so they understand the business, uh, which is critical because I think both of you know that as supply chain people that we, we span the entire business. And so the students have to have an appreciation uh, for the impact uh, on the business, whether it's from a financial perspective, from a marketing perspective, legal perspective, they need to know all of that. And our students, I think, get exposed to all of those different um, different viewpoints. You know, one of the things that uh, we uh, have read about recently is that is the uh, high turnover rate amongst companies. And I know you keep in touch with a lot of alumni, and I know you advise a lot of alumni on their career paths. What are some things that firms uh, could or should be doing besides compensation, right? Which is always, you know, it's always in that kind of top five, top 10 of things that people are concerned with. But what about the other things that firms should be doing to help improve uh, employee satisfaction and employee retention? I, w I would think it, and you know this, I mean, both of you know, it's quality of life. Um, you know, I've talked to some, I say, relatively recent grads, maybe four or five years out. And there are a lot of companies out there dangling a lot of money uh, for that. And, you know, having discussions, and again, my my belief is, you know, if they're going to pay you a lot of money, they're going to expect a lot of work out of you. But I think it's quality of life. I think it's, you know, I don't want to say short work weeks. Um, but reasonable work weeks, I think, you know, benefits. And again, I come back down to this. And one student told me that, you know, that, that he, you know, the market's good. There's a, there's a lot of money to be gotten out there, but he wants to stay where he is because there are just too many other good things about the company he's working for. Uh, and again, I'll go back to culture. It's the people, the way the company treats them. Um, you know, this individual still has a senior mentor. Uh, in the company that that he can reach out to, and 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 again, those personal connections are just incredible. And as I always tell the students, and to your point, Steve, is that when they're out, they're making more money than they ever did in their entire life. All right, and so there's there's no reason to follow the money um, because eventually you're going to get into a situation where you're you're not going to be happy. And I've had some students and some discussions with students who did that. They they switched for money and came back and said, "I'm sorry, I did." Um, because work-life balance um, is is way out of out of kilter, and it's just again you're working sixty to eighty hours a week, and you're making you know one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, but you have no free time. There's there's nothing you know nothing you can do outside, and you know this generation is very social-minded, um, and and they they need that interaction with with other uh, individuals of their age. There are two other things that kind of pop into my head. One is um, if you're inside a firm the ability to develop a career path 
And the second one, which kind of ties back to some things you comments you made earlier, is the ability to develop as a supply chain professional. How do those two things, the career pathing and the ability to develop as a professional, how do they play into employee retention? Uh, very, very critical. Again, I go back to this one former student who has a senior mentor. The senior mentor is a vice president. And um, this individual's you know, looks out for my former student. In other words, even though they went through a rotation program, even though the rotation program's over, um, they're still plotting career path. All right, what should be your next opportunity? Uh, and again, usually having someone that high up in the organization pulling from you, for you, um, they can usually make things happen. So I think, again, that's critical because the worst thing I think, and, and, and both of you know this, uh, is to put a student into a, into a job and then just kind of leave them there. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of not what they're, you know, want to do. They're all willing to work really, really hard, but they need to know what for, okay. What's, what's the light at the end of the tunnel? What's, what's next? Um, you know, because there are a lot of opportunities and again, in our field to, to move from, like I said, procurement to customer facing to manufacturing, um, even, even if you don't have rotation program, but there's got to be some, individuals, someone in the organization who's who's there to keep an eye out for these young folks. And I think that the fall 2021 uh, CSEMP Young Professional Survey validates what you've been talking about because they stated that the number one reason that young professionals leave is professional development opportunities. So I think that plays into exactly what you're talking about. So I think that, you know, in the past couple of years, you know, education is always the first to go in a company. But I think with the talent shortage that we're going to be in, or we're going to be in for a while, companies are going to really have to look at that and consider options and really utilize what they have available to them in various means to be able to keep their, their people. So Dr. Nomak, uh, we want to thank you for joining us today for the uh, Center for Supply Chain Research podcast. Um, why don't you uh, kind of take us home, maybe with a couple final thoughts for um, our young business professionals who are uh, currently students or recent graduates, and maybe a few thoughts for the recruiters who are out there hiring them, and then we'll kind of close with your uh, with your final thoughts, uh, takeaways for those two groups. Yeah, thank you. So, <clears throat> again, I think it all comes around um, that when, when these students are graduating, they're not looking necessarily for a job. They're looking for a career. Um, I always tell them, you know, don't take your first position, especially for full-time. <clears throat> And say, well, I'll work there for three years and then I'll see what's going on. You should join a company with the intent that you're going to be there for a long, long time. <clears throat> Companies have to make these young folks want to stay there for a long, long time. And I know I'm being redundant, repetitive, but again, it comes down to people. It comes down to that personal contact, that connection, um, you know, that, that you know, direction, if you will, that mentorship. Um, you know, again, and if you look and we have a lot of companies in the center who are our corporate sponsors and you look at a lot of the senior executives and they've been there 30 years. All right. So they must be doing something right. Um, and I think that's, uh, again, critical because, again, you know, a job is something that you, you go to work for. A career is something that you look for. Um, and again, so making sure that these students are challenged, that they're nurtured. Uh, that they know where they're going, that they know what their path is, and they know there's someone looking out for them, I think is extremely critical. 
Well, again, I'd like to thank uh, Dr. Novak for joining us today for the Center for Supply Chain Research podcast. I would be remiss if I did not thank him for all the time and effort he's put in as part of our leadership team, uh, for all the time and effort he's put in as part of the leadership team of the college um, and as the department. So thanks for joining us today, Bob. We really appreciate it and uh, look forward to seeing you in the hall and in the classroom. All right. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Tracy. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Penn State Supply Chain Podcast, brought to you by the Center for Supply Chain Research at Penn State. For information about our sponsorship opportunities, research needs, and professional development offerings, please visit smeal.psu.edu forward slash CSCR.